This is The Forging of Men, a podcast to equip, enable, and empower the fathers of sons to raise their sons into the next great generation of men through faith, fitness, and outdoor adventure. Be a man, it's not going to be easy, especially in the culture we have now. Be the storm. Save your family. One of the main pillars of masculinity is self-mastery. It's not just, let me do it. It's, let me show you how to do it. When evil comes, evil's not looking for a fair fight. A lot of people weren't disciplined enough to like make the switch. The lack of a servant leader culture attached to masculinity is perhaps why there are so many marriages that fail as well. You would think of the word as relationships, as relationships with others. No, but you can't have a relationship with others until you're comfortable with the relationship with yourself. We're firing up the forge right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Forging of Men podcast. I am your host, Josh Vegers, and I'm so glad that you've chosen to join us. Last week, we dug into the pillars of masculinity. We talked about the things that are stacked against us as men and fathers raising boys, and we also talked about what it means to be a servant leader. We've got two more topics that we're going to cover as these pillars of masculinity, and it's the two things that I think people most often mention when it comes to what masculinity, manhood, being a, a father and a husband is, and that is what, well, I'll, I'll throw it out there. I think, I think these two guys know. We're still joined by Matt and by Jim, who were with us last time, and we talked a little bit about two things that most people associate with masculinity and that's protector provider yep what that looks like here in the craziness of 2023 so i guess let's unpack first like that traditional role of provider and protector and what that looks like and i think we can we can talk a little bit about sort of that 50s 60s vibe of provider and protector but i think we also have to go back a little bit further to like you know a few centuries ago like 1700s, 1800s, how, what did those roles look like then? How have they evolved through the time that we grew up? And what did those roles look like now? Well, you, you'd mentioned going back, right? So the classic protector is the physical protector, right? It's what's the physical threat that's out there? How do we stand against it? Putting ourselves in between our family and whatever that threat is physically, right? So, and that even goes all the way up into the 50s and 60s. I would, and I would venture to say even my own dad, I thought of him that way, right? If something bad were going to happen and I, you know, stupid story, but we had a bobcat that kept prowling our, our property. He went out there, took a shotgun with him, took down the bobcat, right? It's, it's not a big thing. But he was playing that classic protector. I don't know that we have to do that as much in modern society. I think on some level we do, right? <clears throat> if there's a, a physical threat, we still have to put ourselves into that breach. But I think we also have to give our kids the tools. That's part of our protector job, right? So teaching our sons how to be that. Right. So it, leading by example, Matt, you would mention the last time that leading by example. So giving them the tool, those tools on how to be a protector. I think that's part of that protector job. It's not just let me do it. It's let me show you how to do it. Let me show you what that looks like. 
and when it should be applied. Right. I'm a huge geek when it comes to sci-fi and whatnot. And there's Spider-Man was always my favorite growing up. Couldn't help it. But with great power comes great responsibility. And I think it's one of the best lines out of any comic book anywhere, simply because as a man, we want to think that our power to be a protector, we have to constantly push that forward. Mm -hmm. We need to constantly be in that. And it can be overly aggressive. And sometimes we forget about the responsibility that goes with it, which is when do we do it? When do we step back as the protector and let our sons learn how to step into that breach? So that's. But that, but that boils back down to questions that were asked in the last session in regards to what are some of the challenges. And I think that the growth in, in, in our culture, the growth in technology, the growth of the population in general and the ease of things that men are forgetting how to be protectors, not because they want to, but because it's f- pretty much been forced upon them. It's, it's as easy as let's call 911. Right. Or it's as easy as, you know, let's Google it. There's lack of knowledge of how to be even to the terms or the definition of the old school protector. They don't know how. They don't know how to stand up and fight the battle. Whether, I mean, whether or not they ever really do, whether or not someone's ever going to break into my house and hurt my family, I'm knowledgeable enough in my protective skills that if someone breaks into my house, I know exactly what to do. But there's a lot of people that don't. So what happens is, is they don't pass that trade on to their sons. Mm -hmm. So whether or not we actually use that, it's important to have it because that is the core, one of the core qualities of the way we as men were created. Mm -hmm. And when you start forgetting that aspect, then you forgot, then it goes back down to that relationship of knowing yourself and knowing yourself as a man. So if you don't know how to be a protector, whether or not you're ever going to use those skills in the ter- in the definition of what history looks at as protectors, that is, like you said, one of the number one mm-hmm. definitions or pillars of masculinity. Yeah, I, I think that another important thing in that protector side of things, and, and Jim, I think you're the Spider-Man quote of "With great power comes great responsibility." In order to be able to wield that power. There is a discipline that comes in with that, whether it's martial arts, firearms training, or even if it just means your evening routine of making sure all the cars are locked, all the doors are locked. The discipline that goes with that helps make us better as men. And it sets that example, like we talked about before, for our own boys of like, hey, when you come come to an age where you've got your own house or you've started your own family, Part of what you have to do is go through and be able to make sure that at the end of the night, all the doors are locked. Or if you're going to be somebody that is focused on the physical protection of your family, you know, martial arts, firearms training, those are all perishable skills. And the minute you stop doing it, you start losing your effectiveness. And I think that that discipline spills over very effectively into other parts of your life. So I think you bring up a really good point with the martial arts. My younger son has ADD. We didn't want to put him on drugs. We went through vitamin therapy, nutritional therapy, and we got him into martial arts. 
early on. So he was, mm, I think, six or seven, somewhere in there. He continued on through, ended up getting his black belt, but it taught him the discipline on how to slow down, how to focus, how to do all those things. But it was about the discipline of the process. And I think that's key to what you're saying. It's it, whether it's firearms training or anything else, it's having that, that discipline that, mm -hmm. that permeates through. And adding to that in, in a little bit of a different aspect is, is what happens within a family unit when the father goes through those motions, right? What happens mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally to your wife and your kids when a human being doesn't feel secure, especially a female and or children in general, they're utilizing a part of their brains that they're, that are not as equipped as what ours are. So what happens is, is they're focusing a lot of their energy and efforts and their stress levels increase and they can't focus in on the, the most important aspects of what they're supposed to be focusing in on mother, a wife being a mother or a wife being a wife or a wife being able to do her job correctly or the kids being able to go and fully encompass and absorb the school information because they're worried or scared. Fear becomes that. So when a, when a father and a husband, a husband and a father does things like lock the doors or goes through the motions of protecting their kids, know their dad is can do it right. right. There is this safety net that they have and they can truly be kids and your wife can truly be a mother and a wife. So it's real. It's very important whether or not you're ever going to use those skills. It's important to show those skills to your, it's, it's part of the human psychology. It's part of the, the family unit. Mm -hmm. Let's stay on this protect, the protector track. What are some of the things that we have to protect our families from now in the modern age that maybe are a little more difficult to identify and in a lot of ways more difficult to combat? Online predators. I think that's the, the easiest one. And that online predator is someone with a malicious intent, a pseudo friend that maybe is posting information about you, a frenemy, right? It's that kind of, that's a real threat for them. It's not something I had to deal with. And AOL chat rooms, I bet you, you didn't have to deal with it either, man. No, I didn't. I, I, in general, for me, it's the internet. I mean, the, the, the original, original sin spawned from the tree of the good of knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. And that's the, um, the knowledge of, of everything that, and, and as powerful as God and, and the internet, I'm telling you, there's nothing that you can, there is, there's not a thing on that thing on the internet. You can't find if I guess, if that's mm -hmm. the correct verb, verbatim yeah. verbiage, but being careful what, I mean, you have to protect them from the internet in general because of what they can learn, things that they can see that they're not meant to see or meant to learn ever at times. There's, there's knowledge on there that, that no one should have access to. So protecting them from that is important. I mean, screen time, video games, the content, and like you said, the predators, I mean, you don't know who they're talking to and mm -hmm. what kind of information they're getting. Mm-hmm. Think about it two decades ago or two, two centuries, excuse me, two centuries ago when there was no internet. Yeah. They were left to be learned directly from their, 
the network that they were around. And what was their network? That was their family, mm-hmm. their fathers, their mothers, their older siblings, potentially their grandparents. And maybe once a week when they went to church in the horse-drawn carriage, they'd meet up with some of their friends. Yeah. You know, and that's that was the excitement of their week is going to church on Sundays. Right? So now it's it's the easy button. They have access to their friends at all times. So they're they're not they're they have access to all knowledge. So they're going there to seek their information versus seeking their information from their parents. And the parents are actually most of them, a lot of them are just sitting back and allowing it to happen because it's easy. They their kids are gone. They're basically their parents and don't have to be parents. They don't have to put the effort forth to be parents because somebody else is teaching their kids. It's the babysitter. It's mm-hmm. the babysitter. And so that's my biggest thing as a protector. I think nowadays that we sometimes people don't really think about is the whole internet, not just the the aspect of the of the predator. It's everything that mm-hmm. the internet has to offer. And I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists and things, but that is a that is an apple. Yeah. I I also think that there is something to be said if we're talking about protecting protecting all of our kids, but in particular our boys from being solely entertained by things that you can swipe. Yes. Like mm-hmm. the the amount of time that I see young people spend scrolling when they could be learning a new skill or honing a craft. I think the the martial arts discipline that we talked about earlier, you're not going to get good. You're not going to be proficient at a martial art unless you put the time into it. And there's so many people now that are like, I could do that. Or I could go into Facebook reels for three hours and just swipe through entertaining videos and that be it. There needs to be some sort of gateway that we set as dads for our kids. I know that for my kids, part of what we started doing earlier this summer, and it actually came from from doing 75 hard at the beginning of the year, like reading 10 pages a day ended up being wonderful for me. And I really enjoyed, I'd forgotten how much I liked reading because it was easier to pull out my phone and watch a YouTube video than read a book. And so the gateway we set for all of our kids was, if you want to watch screens, you owe me 10 pages of reading. Right. And if it's a graphic novel, you owe me 20. We took it a step further when the kids were younger. We actually went what we called techno, where we just cut out TV. We cut out video games. We cut out the, the devices for two weeks, a month, and said, go learn how to be bored mm-hmm. and figure out what to do with that. And before you know it, the first two or three days, like any addiction, were brutal. But once they got past that, all of a sudden our kids were playing games, to, board games together. They're looking to play games with us as parents as opposed to pushing us off to the side as an annoyance. And it actually drew our family closer in eliminating that for a short period of time and then metering it, that technology back in, they were able to balance it out better. Yeah. Right. And they were able to... We did a cross-country trip, right? And, you know, I mean, this is a bunch of years ago. The kids didn't necessarily have phones, but they had other devices that the DS or whatever that they could play games on. And they had the ability at that point then to be able to put that aside as they're driving through the the Black Hills in South Dakota Mm -hmm. and appreciate what they're seeing and take a moment for that. So it really kind of taught them some discipline 
mm-hmm. uh, and then how to manage that that technology piece. But yeah, it's it is an apple. Well, it, the internet is an apple. Can, can I jump ahead of you? Because there was I had a thought. Yeah, for yeah, Matt. Please do. Because we're going to hit provider, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the other one that we're talking about. And I think being the protector, we have to be the provider as well to guard against that apple. We have to give them the tools. We have to provide them the tools of discernment. What are we seeing? Is this useful information or can I junk it? Or should I find something else to counterbalance it, right? Am I getting opinion A, opinion B? Let's look for opinion C so then I can create my own as opposed to just assuming whatever I'm reading is correct. I, I think that's part of our job as a provider, you know, outside of the classic roles of that is providing the tools, providing the space and the opportunity. But tools is the biggest thing I, that I think we do now. Mm-hmm. I know I'm much more apt if one of my kids comes to me and is like, dad, I want to switch. I want a Nintendo switch. I'm like, no, like dad, I want a skateboard. Like what color? Right. Let's figure it out. Like if you want something that's going to get you outside, like I'm on board, let's do it. If you want something that's screen based, that's going to be like, man, you get enough already. Like you've got more screens than you know what to do with. Let's not do another one. That's not helpful. We made our kids earn the money to buy. You want technology? Fantastic. Get a job. Earn the money. There you go. Then you can buy it. Well, that's summertime's a little different. <laughs> yeah. As far as the balance on the screen time, summertime's I'm big on uh, with my kids as far as they have to spend a specific amount of time as long as it's not raining. They have to spend a specific amount of time outdoors. Mm-hmm. They cannot play their games unless they've given a certain amount of time, it, whatever it may be, whether it's them wandering around and Benjamin, my youngest, pretending that he's Pokemon fighting in the field or Isabella on a run, keeping herself in shape for soccer season or Noah out helping me mow. Ryan's a little different, his allergies and keeping him outdoors for long periods of time is not good for him. So we balance it in a different way with his work level, but there during the school year. And I mean, that's, that is an earned item. If they want to play video games, they want to, you know, watch TV. They want to get behind the screens, especially during the school year. It's earned. It's how their grades are doing. If they've done their chores, if every aspect of their day, if they've said their prayers, they've done their music lessons, they've done fed the animals, whatever it may be, they're not allowed on the games at all until every aspect. And it's one of the biggest things that I preach to them. It's no playtime till the work is done. It's mm-hmm. just that's how it is, and mm-hmm. and it's a big one for for the for the boys, a, a super big for the boys. I mean, not it's the same for Isabella, a little different. She's a different beast, but the boys in general, it's no playtime till work is done, mm-hmm. no matter what. And if your work doesn't get done and you're not handling your business, there's no games at all. I mean, if your grades aren't where they need to be, if you're not, that means you're not doing your job, and that means you don't get any of that. And if any, if you want extra things of that nature out on the electronics, then you have to earn them. It's difficult for them to get a job during the school year. I know that because of the activities, the soccer and the wrestling and the multiple, multiple things. So we do things extra around the house. If they want to earn a video game, they want to earn something along that nature. They have to go outside and above and beyond and figure out on their own accord what they can do to serve servant leader, Mm -hmm. back to servant leader, is how they can earn with their own, not just chores. Chores are not 
a part of that. That is a something they have to do every day. So anything above and beyond, they have to look for. And they do. And there's the room, the extra cleanup around the house, extra yard work performed, so forth and so on. But it works. But I do agree with you on the whole provider. You have to be able to provide them those tools to teach them Mm -hmm. how to balance, you know, life skills versus screen time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I think we've hit really well on the protector side of stuff. There's obviously the physical aspect of it, whether it's martial arts or firearms or just vigilance that you provide as a parent. I also think that there's the, the digital side of being a protector and soon at some point we've actually got a friend of ours who excels as a dad on figuring out how to protect his kids digitally through a series of readily available apps that are incredibly easy to work with. You don't have to be an IT tech from a company to set these things up at your home and he'll be able to bring us some some really useful things to be able to do as protectors in our family to make sure that our kids are secure, the content is appropriate. Because I think part of what we have to do as protectors and providers both, it's sort of a merged thing here, is devices are going to be a part of our kids' lives forever. And so I think now is the opportunity that we have to show them what balanced device use looks like. So, but I do want to move, I do want to move on into the provider side of things and talk about sort of what that, what that looked like traditionally and, and what that looks like now. I know that the first thing that always comes to mind for me for a provider is, is being a financial provider. And I think that that was the traditional view held for a long time. Is, is that still, is that still true? Is that still the primary thing? And is there other provider attributes that we need to tack on to that and be cognizant of as we try to do a better job of raising our boys? So I was just a, a backstory. The The provider I took extremely seriously, right? As far as the 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 old school definition of providing. And that was for a long period of time, a very big focal point for me is providing. But I looked at it in the definition of like we were talking about the old school, providing the the house, the food, the clothing, the necessities to survive. But what I've learned in, you know, the years that I've been a husband and a father is that there's a whole lot more than that, that that is an old school definition that even old schoolers should never define it that way because there's so much more involved and depth into that word of provider. Provider of, of again, backup, provider of protection, provider of emotional stability, provider of love, a provider of, I mean, there's, there's multiple aspects to that level of provision. Uh, and what pro- what the provider, what we as mas- what mat- true masculinity and and the provider pillar means, you know, in that aspect, masculinity wise. And so, like I said, I did the provision and and was that provider. But what that did is that focus was so much involved in that old definition that I was never at home. Twelve, fourteen, sixteen hour days, home and sleep. And yes, I was providing a check. Yes, I was providing the house and the food and the but you have to provide yourself. And again, it boils back down to what we talked about earlier last week's session is the relationship pillar, like having a relationship, having a knowledge of, of who you are 
helps with the relationship there and having a knowledge of what provider means. Like you have to be there. You have to be not just there in body, but there in mind, soul, spirit, the whole nine yard. You can know, I've known a lot of, I've met a lot of acquaintances over the years that, that, and I've heard stories that, yeah, they're home, but they're shells. Hmm. They're empty because they've spent their entire day and their entire selves on that whole I'm providing because I'm working for you and I'm giving you the check to go take care of all the bills and to take care of the food and to make sure the kids have what they need. I think that became such a focus in our society that that's where the downfall began is that they were providing all of these things, but they were providing the most important, the thing that they should have been providing the most of was a shell at the end of the day, which is themselves. The things that God created within us that made us who we are, our hearts, our minds, our souls, that is the most important aspect of providing, right? I mean, because it's easy. That's the easy button. It's easy for us to go out. We're built to work. We're built for the hours and the stress. We're built to bring the money in. What we're not the best at is showing those things in an empathetic, sympathetic, compassionate way. And I think that that's one of the failings that that we have as men is that we have that tendency to go that easy route and providing is probably the easiest definition and the easiest thing for us to do out of all these things. It's easy to provide. It's easy to go out and get a job nine to five, pay the bills, come home, shut your mind off and watch TV. And then you've got that issue. I'm providing for you. No, Hmm. it's not how it works. And that's how I was for a long period of time. And it almost blew up in my face, right? My kids, there was a stun of a year or two where it was like, man, I thought I was doing great. Right? Mm -hmm. No. Absolutely not. My wife finally looked at me and said, you know what? They, they need it. They need you. They don't need what you give them. They need you to give yourself. And that's the most important aspect of provision is providing yourself there. That servant leader, that, that person, that, that example, that showing them how to be a protector, showing them that you care, showing them that you love. That's a security thing. They feel secure. You're like their blanket. And if you're not there, they're left out in the cold and they're scared. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that comes around full circle to something that we touched on a little bit earlier, and that was fulfilling that role of protector and in this case provider so that your wife and your kids aren't constantly on the cusp of like that fight or flight. Like they're not able to thrive if they're worrying about where their next meal is coming from or if they're going to have shoes. And I think that there there's a lot to be said for the comfort and the peace of mind that we provide as provider. And what's interesting is, so I've got my list here of provider and I'm sort of bullet pointing some things out. And and the number one thing I put was financial just because it, it comes to mind and it's easy. Like it's it's the only one that literally has like a mathematical formula. Like if your family needs X every month to live and you're able to provide greater than X, you can check that box and be like, I did it this month. Hooray. Now let's work on next month. But the next one, the next one that I had down was providing presence. Never underestimate the power of showing up. So, so important. And it's not just present in body. It, it's present in mind, heart, and soul as well. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a big difference. People take that literally present. I come to all your events, but dad, you're on the screen watching TV 
or dad, you're over here talking to your buddy or dad, you're looking off at the stars. There's a difference between being present and actually being a part of mm-hmm. engaged, engaged, good call, mm, like the word, engaged. And, and I, I will, this point came across in my head as y'all, as you were talking about that. It's funny, the fight or flight, right? And the, and the, the providing we took it so much, I think as a society and a culture and just humans in general, that whole provision definition of financial provision took it so serious for a long period of time and forgot the other aspects of providing. What was the very first thing that, that women started to want to do to prove that they didn't need us as men and fathers? Go to work. Bingo. So that was when you're not there providing presence and engaged. And all you can say is that as a provider, I cut you a check because there's the things that the mothers and the wife are never going to be able to be present and do that we as fathers can. So the easiest thing for them to attack and start doing was to go out and take that part of us. But that was the only thing for so long that we focused in on. And I think that's where we started to slip and why it was so easy for women just to step step away and say, I want to start, I can work and I can, I can provide just as much as you can provide because the definition of provision totally got skewed somewhere along the path. Yeah. I, I modified my answer. I actually typed in here. I, I had presence and Jim, per your point, being engaged because there's, there's, you know, if, if I take my son to a soccer game, like, let's say I take my 10-year-old to a soccer game. There's four different ways, like four different levels that I can show up as, right? Level one is like you don't show up. Like, hey, have a good game. And they go. Level two is you're there physically, but you're looking at a screen, you're talking to other people, and you're not paying attention to the the success and the development of your kid. Number three is that you're there and you're engaged and you're cheering them on. And then I think the next level, and this may not fit for everybody, but the next level is, is that you're an assistant coach or a coach. And so you're not just there for the games. You're also there for the practices. And you know what? I would take that, I would take that to a broader spectrum. So you don't necessarily have to be an official coaching capacity, but if outside of game time, if you're willing to go to the park or your front yard and kick the ball around, never underestimate the power of kicking or catching or shooting basketball with your own kid. Or even if you're not physically capable of doing that, because there may be some out there that can't, just the fact that you ask to sh- that they show you what they can do, because that's all they want to do. They want to feel and be told that they have what it takes, right? Mm -hmm. That they're doing great, that every effort that they're putting forth on the field, whether it be the best or the worst, that you as their father know and see what they're doing and know and see that they're capable of it. So it's like if you're there and engaged and you're watching soccer and you're screaming from the sidelines or you're at a wrestling match and you're right there on the sidelines and you're screaming from the sidelines, and you're there when they come off from their defeats or their wins or their defeats, but you're there to pat them on the back and tell them that it's all going to be okay. That is money. Mm-hmm. That is engagement. That shows empathy, mm-hmm. s- uh, sacrifice, love, compassion, the things that we as men, that a lot of people, the word masculinity has gotten lost. People think that that's not masculine or they've lost that definition. That's the absolute opposite. That is the most masculine thing you can do because it's going against 
what in what it's going against it's it's stepping up to our fears because men fear that kind of thing so when you step up to your fear that's becoming a that's what a true man is is facing your fears and encompassing those and driving through them mm-hmm. and i think i think it's interesting all of our analogies just because we're a bunch of dudes are all around sports <laughs> <laughs> so true right so i think the hard part is it's easy for us to be engaged when it's something we like or we're knowledgeable on. The hard mm-hmm. part is when it's something we actually don't care about. Yeah. Right. If my son is telling me about whatever world that he's built in some video game, my knowledge and level of care on that is limited to how much he cares about it. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Right. Build away, make your thing. I don't, you know, it makes no difference to me. Yeah. But it makes a difference to him. And I think that's the hard part to engage on. I mean, I know, you know. I, l- I listen to Ryan all the time and he's on and on and on about the, the massive world he's built in some hoo-ha game. But mm-hmm. it's just sitting there with a smile and being like, dude, that's awesome. That's well, great. That's Love amazing. Well, wait a minute. You got your spaceship to do X, Y, and Z. That's fantastic. Can you show me? Great. Let me see. And then you move on. But it makes that it validates whatever they're doing because maybe they're not getting validation somewhere else. Yeah. How many times as dads do we hear, and I guess also as sons, do we still say, even in adulthood, hey, dad, check this out. Hey, dad, look at this. Like it's that constant, like wanting to share the things that are important to us. Jim hit the nail on the head. It's validation. And so that is what. That is actually, that's a great term. That's a great word, Jim. Validation. I think that that in the end, that provider, I think that is where it it encompasses every aspect of what that word is. It's a provider of validation. Mm-hmm. It's validating because that's what we seek as fathers and what we're asked to seek as we become adults in Christ and in God is we, that's where our prayers should be. We should seek our validation as men, not from our wives and kids, even though it's nice, mm-hmm. but our, we're meant to be the absorbers or the validators of our family, right? So where do we validate, right? Well, that's that. How fair is that? They're going to ask you. Well, the, in fairness, we, we as men, as fathers should seek our validation through Christ and God in prayer. And I think that's another aspect that people fail to to encompass or know, actually have knowledge on that our validation should be seek, sought through through church and, and prayer. And so and then we're supposed to provide that to our families, which then gets rid of that fight or flight mm-hmm. response. They feel validated. They feel secure. When you're validated, you feel comfort. You feel secure. You feel safe. And when you're not validated then you're confused because what you don't know whether or not what you're doing is right or wrong. And when somebody doesn't know what they're doing is right or wrong, what does that create? Fear. And then you live in a life full of fear. Yeah. And when you're validated, when you have that validation, you can then move on to something else and grow into something else. Which mm-hmm. is, inc- which is now you're, you're growing as a man, right? Correct. And we do it in small steps. I mean, we all have boys they all try to take you down at some point or another, you know, they, they'll, they want to wrestle you and, you know, they'll go at your knees and they do all this, right? They do it. 
my 21-year-old outweighs me by a solid 50 pounds, right? (laughs) He can definitely kick my butt. I have (laughs) no doubt about it. But from the age of 5 to 15, he had no shot. And it was that 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 cub trying to, to bang into you, but you validate that they're strong. Mm-hmm. Let me see those muscles. Show me those guns. You want to, you keep building them and building them and building them. And then you end up with a six foot, 230 pound, whatever, or a five foot six, right? I'm, I'm short, so I'm picking five foot six, 130 pound, whatever but they're still strong enough inside because they're strong in who they are, hmm. right? And that goes back to where we started in the, the first episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about knowing yourself. And we have to teach them that. We have to help validate who they are. And then they can go out and build something better. Well, then become, they become comfortable with, them, with who they are, right. right? There's no discomfort in anything that they think about themselves because they've been validated for their actions, whether they be validation in a negative or a positive. I mean, you could, there's, a, there's validation in the opposite direction, right? Like what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing, you know, here are the consequences, right? That's a validation, a validation of, okay, let's not do that again. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, there, you have to be there to stand firm in there in your yeses and your nos in your right. errors and in your successes. And that's the key going back to the word change you made in there on your second bullet point. Mm-hmm. It's engaged. Yeah. Fully engaged. Know your children. But if for, in order to know your children, you have to know yourself. So know yourself and what it means, what masculinity is and what it means to be a man mm-hmm. so that you can know your children, and then you can be there to validate positively or negatively mm-hmm. what they're doing is right or wrong. And that's the key to it. And if you're not in any of those steps, and there is no perfection, <laughs> there is definitely no perfection because I have learned along the way, I've made my mistakes because then you have to, but that goes back to knowing yourself, like when you've made your mistakes. And then what we talked about in the first episode is rebound is like I said, I call it rebound, how you rebound when you've done that, because there's been many a times where I've, my conflict resolution has not been on par. <laughs> it's very subpar, but you know what I do is I go back. I admit that I was wrong. That's a, that's a key. I've admitted mm-hmm. to every one of my boys because every one of them, I've made a mistake. Every one of them, even my eight year old, I go back and I admit what I said. And how I said it was unacceptable. I apologize. But in apologizing to you, I'm showing you that we all make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you're teaching them the ultimate lesson to being a man. The ability to humble yourself. Mm-hmm. I was about to say, I would take a humble man over a, a perfect dad every day of the week. Because one is never going to happen. And the other happens all the time. Like, every dad's going to make mistakes. The question is, how are you addressing those mistakes? I do think it's interesting as we've gotten more in-depth into this that we start talking about some of these scenarios and the lines blur between protector, provider, and servant leader. And I think the fact of the matter is, is when you start looking at these pillars of masculinity and it's hard to tell where one ends and one begins in your life, that probably means you're doing it right. 